This is Kim Possible, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An Elegant Weapon for the more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. any sponsors but AGP is brought to you by the amazing sponsors of Gem City Comic Con, comic creator Mark Kidwell, Scott Comics and Hazard Productions. How about you Elegant Weapon? Do you have any cool sponsors? I do have cool sponsors but you just got to excuse me for one little second because Jay's got to flick his bick here. Okay, yes, An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by <laughs> Pints and Pages. It's a event we're going to be having here in uh, downtown Toronto, Ontario. It's at the Cameron House, November 14th and 15th in the back room. It's at 408 Queen Street West. And basically a bunch of Toronto's coolest independent comic book creators, artists, and writers alike are all going to go there and drink. And you can come meet them all. And it's pretty much as simple as that. I'm sure there'll be pens and paper flying around, too, and uh, lots of good stuff. So come check that out. Pints and Pages, An Elegant Weapon. I'll be there. We'll be podcasting. Good times. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> Hi, Jason. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's uh, It's a pleasure to finally get to sit down and chat with you. It is amazing to be able to chat with you. Like I told you when you first um, asked if you wanted to get together on something, I was like, really? Because I'm such a fan of your show. Of course, anybody who's a huge Star Wars fanatic like myself, you know I have to listen. Oh, you're such a sweetheart. It's it's fun. It's, uh, It's very much along the lines of what you do, which is the reason I've enjoyed listening to episodes of your podcast. And, uh, well, no, it's, it's fun to talk to people. It's, uh, you know, it's good times. Why don't you ask me that question that you had asked me before there? So I wanted to know what got you into podcasting. Uh, it was the Holy Trinity. It was Rogan Smith and Hardwick. And, uh, for me, it was the absolute, you know, it was the poppy stuff. It was, uh, was listening to Joe Rogan and his awesome craziness for three hours and, uh, and, uh, Kevin Smith. And when I discovered it, I okay. I haven't listened to the radio in years. Like very rarely will you hear me listen to music, and I love music. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about conversation that I just get lost in. And uh, it was, you know, figuring out these shows and hearing them. And one day, me and my buddy were just like, "Let's do a podcast." So we went down in the basement, hit record on the iPhone voice memos, and off to the races. You know, 
three years later, 167 episodes in. And things nice. are, yeah, things are still fun. So yeah, for me, it was just listening to them. And I've always been a big mouth. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've always been to the performing arts and the creative arts and it just all seemed to make sense. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. What got you into it? Oh. Um, back in 2001, I had somebody come up to me and this was back in the days where they're like, oh, you're a girl. I am. Since when? No. And um, <laughs> they wanted me to do a Doctor Who podcast, and they wanted a female's perspective on everything. So I got on to there, and just having people listen to me, I was like, wait, you people actually want to listen to my opinion? Oh, well, okay, fine. And so I guest started on that a couple of times, and I've been meaning to want to do this. And for some reason, I always had the thought, oh, well, you need to have like this million dollar this and that and that and this and this huge studio. And I'm like, well, I'll never have that kind of money. I'm poor. And then I finally got introduced to the people again after a few years. They're like, no, we do it on TalkShoe. It's absolutely free. Wait, I can freely tell people my opinion <laughs> on everything and actually bring guests on, and people would want that. And I was working with the Cincinnati Comic Expo at the time, so I got to really meet a lot of the independent creators. And I just finally put all my little duckies in a row and went boom, and I started doing it, and I won't stop for anything in the world. That's awesome. That's fantastic <laughs> to hear. It's uh, It goes quick, man. Like, the years fly by, eh? It's, I can't believe you heard about it back in 2001, like early 2000s, eh? Yeah, it was it was quite amazing. And it was and it was funny the way how he approached me too cuz I never grew up like that. I when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader who played D&D. It was not odd for me. I realize nowadays when people go, "Wait, you were what? Those two don't go together." But for me, I was able to do that. I never had that odd nerd person out. I never call I never caught on to the whole fangirl thing. I just was like, "No, I'm a fan who's a girl." And when I went to the comic book store, there was other girls there. I hung out with other girls who played um, Vampire the Masquerade, Dungeons and Dragons, things like that. So it was the first time someone approached me with that whole, oh, my gosh, you're a girl thing. And that's actually the whole, really? Like, you don't know any other girl who's into stuff like this. Seriously, you really need to get out more. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. For me, it was just like, do you remember when Kevin Smith got the Smod Castle? Mm-hmm. I just got into podcasts just before he got the Smod Castle. And my ultimate, all-time favorite podcast is Hollywood Babylon. <clears throat> well, I will be honest. I really didn't start <clears throat> listening to podcasts till people like you started following me on Twitter. And then I was like, okay, well... I'll check it out, and that's how I ended up listening to you, Drunk on Comics, and then I got into Word Balloon, and then I started listening to Kevin Smith. Yeah, I know. I picked Kevin Smith and Chris Hardwick's like last to ever listen to. Go figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people get on them for like, oh, of course you listen to the big ones. Well, they're the big ones because they're the best, you know? It's Although there's like, I heard Adam Carolla recently put it like this, and it was very well put, that podcasts are like indie bands. There's a million out there, maybe a billion, and there's all different levels and shapes and sizes, and just like music, you got to do it for the love of it, right? Right, you have to do it for the love of it, and you know, and if you're a person who likes to listen to them, you actually try them out and see who you like best, because maybe the big ones aren't for you, maybe the little ones are, maybe the little ones aren't for you, and maybe the big ones are, or maybe there's just that person who brings people on, and you like to hear their opinion on what they have to say. 
Absolutely. Just after I had started an elegant weapon, Drunk on Comics began. And I literally saw them on Twitter. And I gave them a shout on the iTunes. And first episode, I was like, this is great. This is what I love. This is a couple of guys, a couple of friends being real, just talking real. They're not trying to be like, hey, you know, or when I review this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, it's not like morning zoo styles. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And uh, they were just real guys having fun times, drinking and talking comics. And, uh, you know, I shouted them out. And I mean, three years later, and I got real, ended up real getting real tight with those guys just as friends, you know, like, hell, I'm going to Michigan this weekend for Grand Rapids uh, Comic Con. (laughs) So, uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sorry. That's My sad, next big event's not till the 31st. Well, that's pretty soon. That's a, ha- <laughs> a Halloween con, eh? Yeah. Um. Another friends of mine that are podcasters, they do UVN, the Underground Video Network. They're video podcasters. They're doing their 13th anniversary celebration on Halloween, and they asked me to cover the event for them. Hold on. A, a podcast, a video podcast has been going for 13 years? Yes. Wow. <laughs> you should really check them out. They're I really will. Cool. I will absolutely. I can't not. Like, how do you not? Just out of respect. Like, oh, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> yeah, and these guys are really good. Um, the guy who does all the video editing, his name is Richard Catterjohn, and he is brilliant when it comes to editing his videos, and he's actually helping me on a couple of projects right now. Um, most people know that I do work for Gem City Comic Con, which is in Dayton, Ohio, which will be next year, April 2nd and third in 2016 and they're helping me put together little commercials that we can use to help promote the show very cool that's fun keep it all in the family you know ohio i spent a month of my life in ohio only a month yeah one month it was uh kent ohio oh and then ohio scared you so much you went running back right (laughs) i was there for like uh the company i worked for at the time sent me down for like one of those month-long like crash college course type things where they put you up in a hotel and you just go to class all day you know and uh the head office is out there in ohio and it was nice people were good i enjoyed my time there i mean i realized that a lot of people go oh ohio the cleveland browns and Bengals." (laughs) (laughs) hey 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 hey. is that is that sports (laughs) you're talking yeah sports I see, am a huge I, I am a huge football nut. <laughs> see, right now I would get uh, right now it's kind of being sacrilegious because at this very moment that we're recording, the Toronto Blue Jays are losing three to two to the Texas Rangers in the ALDS championship there, and uh, I'm in no way giving a damn. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> football I'm, is my one major sport. Like I will go nuts over football. I won't for, I will never forget being at um, the Cincy Comic Con last year, and the Bengals were playing, and they were at a home. They were it was it was either a home game or they were playing somebody really big. And I am sitting there with my phone watching the score, and like every time they touch down, who they Bengals, and like everybody was there. It's football season. Hush. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to have more than just comics. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of cons, you recently had your first table set up, yeah? Yes. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. Like I, it, it was very small because I really didn't have a lot of time to prep for a table. But I do want to give a shout out to my mommy, um, <laughs> Marianne. Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> she she is the official mommy of AGP, and without her, I. 
she's the one person that literally goes, you need to do this. You need to do that. She's basically like micromanaging me every step because she really wants to see me take this to a whole different level. And she works so hard to get me official AGP shirts and get business cards and flyers and everything that I needed for my table setup. So thank you, Mommy. I love you. That is fantastic. It's always <laughs> good to have support, isn't it? Like, yes, uh, it is. My mom's biggest support for my podcast is that uh, she takes my kid when I need to go away to a Comic-Con somewhere, <laughs> which is great. It's fantastic. Anytime, you know, me and the missus want to go away because, we, we, you know, we've gone to Michigan a few times now. It's just, you know, it's almost become like a second home uh, for the podcast and all the friends I've made down there. So uh, it's always nice to just drop the kid at grandma's for the weekend. But thanks, moms, for being awesome. Yeah, moms. For watching our kids, even though I'm sure your kids are human and mine are furry and four-legged. I have a bit of both. I've <laughs> got uh, I've got three cats, a dog, a daughter, and a son. Okay, so, so you're up on me because I, I well we're about even because I got four cats and a dog. And the daughter is literally a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> so it's very cool that I actually literally have I love her to death, but she is my redheaded stepchild, which is awesome that I. That. that is actually awesome. <laughs> but no, I feel you because my dog, she has abandonment issues. So she has to go to her grandma's and she does call it's grandma. Like my mom even goes, no, I'm her grandma. And she has to be babysat. Like if I go out of town and I go out of town a lot, like this year will be 22 shows this year. Wow. Which is, which is a cut down because last year was 26. So 22 shows this year. And every time, here you go. Here's your dog. Bye. Got to go. <laughs> now, is this purely like, are you working some and like just visiting some or are you setting up it a lot? Like, what's what's the plan? Like, why well, so many? The Ohio Toy Comic Show was the first time I ever got to set up my table. But most of the time, either A, I'm working the show. Um, I actually do run four. Is it four? Yeah, four conventions at this particular moment. Um, and then the rest of them, I normally go and I help out a lot of the independent creators who don't have somebody that can help table their tables there. For sure, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of the independent creators, they don't have a partner, so they go there. And some of those bigger shows like C2E2 or New York City Comic Con, Dragon Con, things like that. To walk away from your table and pee and have somebody there is a great relief. <laughs> oh, yeah. No pun, no pun intended there. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a necessity. It's for sure. I've played that role myself many times. So, Well, i got to come down to Ohio and check out a Comic-Con. Oh, come come to Gem City. I, I will – you know what? I will get you a podcaster pass, and you can come to Gem City Comic-Con. Well, that's sounding like a pretty sweet deal. When is Gem City? April 2nd and 3rd, 2016. Ooh, I have nothing scheduled for that area. This could be good times. We'll have to, we'll have to talk more. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, no, um, there's cool. even going to be a podcasting panel that I will be doing at Gem City. Oh, super fun. I did, <laughs> uh, I've done a couple. I did, uh, I had a really good one at, uh, Motor City Comic Con this year with Drunk on Comics and Devin of Snake Oil Comics. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was super fun. That was super cool because, A, I mean, it was just one of the littler rooms, but it was packed. And I can name, well, I can't name. I can only name one, but I know of two podcasts that pretty much came directly out of that panel that two people started. And that's just fantastic. That's That makes me feel awesome. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so. definitely. And the reason why I wanted to do this is because there are people out there that were a lot like me going, well, I don't have a studio and I don't have this. And I, 
it's a way for people to understand because I'll have three different aspects. I'll have somebody who uses a task cam for all of theirs. They travel to the person to get the interviews or someone like me where I do the call in live show. And then I'll have the guys from UVN on the podcast with or on the panel with me as well, who does the video podcasting. So I'll have all three different aspects of how people do podcasting. And then um, it is going to be moderated by Christy Blanche. So that's going to be cool. I love her to death. She's awesome. I'm not familiar. Who's Christy Blanche? Um, Christy Blanche is one of the forefronts of women um, that talks about women in comics. Um, Most people probably know her as Mark Wade's girlfriend, but (laughs) oh, okay, in that case, yes, all right. But yeah, she she's one. She is a lot like you and me. Seriously, she is a huge Star Wars fanatic, but she is an educator, a research. Um, she's a writer. She does she does comics. She co-owns the All Yeah Comic Store in Muncie, Indiana. She's a huge lover of comics, and um, she co-wrote the um, Damnation of Charlie Wormwood. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Plus, yeah. she got to moderate a panel with Carrie Fisher. So yeah, I want her to moderate uh... my panel. Yeah. <laughs> My two biggest moderation claim claims to fame at this point, and I'm not trying to be braggy, just a little brag, um, <laughs> is I had the honor of moderating Jonathan Frakes, which yeah. uh, unfortunately I wasn't allowed to record because he doesn't let any recordings go on. But, but still an amazing experience. He was super, super cool. And uh, he actually flipped it on one point. He was interviewing me. It was got kind of weird. But uh, and Clive Revel, who was the Emperor in the image in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. I moderated his first ever panel at uh, the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. That is awesome. That, I'm jealous. Oh, it was super cool, except for the fact that God bless his heart. It was like his second con ever and his first panel ever. And he didn't know what was going on. And he just started kind of drifting off into stories about like the old like theater days in England and stuff. It, just, <laughs> it was just, it was crazy. And uh, Mark Dodson, the voice of Salacious Crumb and mm-hmm. the, the Gremlins, he was up there with us because it was a Star Wars panel. And uh, God bless him. He helped me out. Just kept, We kept bringing him back. but it was lots of fun and it was an honor to do so it was uh yeah you just got to keep on pushing and networking and talking and that's how i got everywhere and you know for you kids out there who are trying to get off the ground with your podcast just keep potting it's all yeah it it's a lot of networking i i was in shock the other day when somebody go when somebody came up to me and was like can i be on your podcast and i'm like Okay, you're asking me. All right. Um, and then I went to go book it, and I'm like, um, um, I did not realize that um, I was booked until December. Hey, hey, mom, can't talk. Text me. <laughs> yeah, that was like, is, is, is somebody yelling at you right now? <laughs> my phone. My mom is calling me, and I got uh, that Stewie. I got the Stewie ringtone on there that goes, mom, mom, mommy, yeah. mommy, mama. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. I thought I was hearing something I knew. I was like, what's happening here? My, I, I, I forgot to put the phone on vibrate because it's charging. So it was like, way over there. 
awesome. That's good times, man. Good I, times. And I have the Star Wars ringtone for when the phone rings, and then when there's a text message, it says, Captain, incoming message from Michael Dorn's war from Star Trek The Next Generation, and then certain people have their own special ringtones. So. <laughs> Very cool. I have one. I just have the Imperial March is all my ringtone. It's my only ringtone. Of course, and, that's uh, my default. I'm called Lady Vader for a reason. Come on nice. now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> my text is RT. So whenever I get a text, it's just a quick R2 whistle. You know. Now, I know that you're a huge Star Wars fan. I wanted to ask you, do you also video game? Uh, not really. Um, it's kind of funny you ask that because I've probably played more video games in the past three weeks than ever in my life because my son has recently, he's about to turn five, and he has recently discovered video games. And he has a couple of the Batman Lego games. And he has the Marvel superheroes and the Indiana Jones Lego. All Lego games. Yeah, I have all yeah. of them too. They're my man. I want to play a video game, and Grand Theft Auto is just too hard because I still can't fly a plane in that right. thing, and I keep going <laughs> to crash. So yes. yeah, let's go play Lego. That's easy. <laughs> so it's been three weeks constant, eight hours a night of this, and it's been really hard, like weeding him off because he's at that age where he he freely loses his mind when you tell him to turn it off, right? So it's been kind of a, it's been a nurturing, I'm, growing can process. Can I let you in on a secret? <laughs> yeah. When he gets 36, he'll do still have that same mentality. <laughs> I want to turn off. I, I can't do it all nighter before I have to go to work, right? Yeah, I got, I got to complete this 100%. It's oh, amazing no, to see how good he's getting, though, at five years old. And, like, they're amazing what kids do with technology nowadays. You know? well, but they're I, born you know. with technology in their hand nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But I was an original <laughs> Nintendo kid. Like, you know. When, when Nintendo, when the first, you know, entertainment system came out, I was definitely a right at prime young kid age for Super Mario and Tetris is my thing. Blades of Steel, you know, good time stuff. You are talking to someone who grew up on ColecoVision and Atari. I even had that horrible E.T. game, which don't let me say that it was horrible. It really wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. It was just it was so difficult. It was really hard. I remember playing it, too. It was harder and less fun than the Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, the Temple of the Doom one oh, was. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I would, I would have to say, if I would have to say, worst game ever for the Atari was Superman because I couldn't figure that game out. Yeah, like, that okay, was. I picked up three people. I changed. I, I was like, okay, phone booth. I changed, went, found the criminal, picked him up. I got like three criminals, and then like there was no more crime. And I changed back, and I couldn't get any more crime. I'm like, okay, this game sucks. <laughs> totally agree. I forgot about Superman. So you brought it up. <laughs> that one's like legendary for being one of the hardest, stupidest video games. And you know what? I think it carried on. Maybe like a curse, because I remember trying on a couple of systems over the years, different Superman games, and they always sucked. The flying always sucked until the Superman in the Lego games. He's badass. You can fly anywhere, all around the screen, and easily. And you know, I love it. So, <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm not a huge gamer. You know, uh, the only reason why I brought that up is because a few lucky people like myself got a hold of the new Star Wars Battlefront beta game. I hear, uh, I hear good things though. Oh, <laughs> when my only complaint is still. I am in the Hoth system, and you get to be Luke Skywalker in the black suit with the green lightsaber, which <laughs> doesn't happen until Return of the Jedi. I heard you complaining about that recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's the only major complaint there. It is gorgeous, though. And I got all excited. I'm like, I'm in an AT-AT! Yes! Oh, yeah. my gosh! 
it's, it's absolutely chronologically out of whack, but hey, why not? It's a video. I, I, I was all cool with it, and I'm like, <laughs> and of course, I'm definitely one of those people. I was playing the rebel side, and of course, somebody got the achievement to be Darth Vader, and I went, "Oh crap, here comes Darth Vader!" Is run, there a, just is, run. <laughs> is there a story element to it? Like, did you play? Any um, story right now, element? the beta is just letting you do um, like that Call of Duty type play um obviously you know you could play with teams go up against other teams at this point um they haven't really done the storyline but i do know when it comes out it's going to be like um the other battlefronts there are going to be storylines they are going to have the online playing and i'm hoping that from where i've noticed like most of the people playing had like star wars names everywhere there was like one or two people that did not make a star wars name to play the beta it's like, okay, that's a little odd. Why do you not have a Star Wars name? But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really looks like to be a really – it looks like they took the best of the other two Battlefront games and a little bit of the Call of Duty, and they kind of meshed it together. And it looks like it's going to be really epically awesome, and I'm so glad that I put a down payment on the Star Wars Battlefront PS4 Special Edition with Darth Vader. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I put my name on that. It's mine. <laughs> that is mine. I and called I dibs. <laughs> I was like, mommy. She's like, what? I was like, I have to get this. What about your rent? No, I have to get this. <laughs> you can cover my rent, right? We're good? Yeah? No? Uh, I'll talk to my landlord about uh, it. <laughs> it's an exciting time for new stuff, though, man, I tell you. like for, uh, Force Friday was thrilling for me because it meant new lightsabers. And, See, uh, you all went after the new lightsabers. I went after my BB-8. This is true. This is true, which was very, very cool. But I'm I'm such an exclusive lightsaber fiend, you know what I mean? So that was particularly very exciting for me. I bought my 77th lightsaber that day. Nice. I have three. I have Yoda's. I have Darth Maul's. And then I have my prize in my collection. I have the Star Wars Episode Five Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader lightsaber that they no longer create because the original one has the little red and yellow um, wires that are on the side, and they no longer have that one out. And that one is mine, and that is my precious. Very nice. Very nice. Well, everyone should own a lightsaber, <laughs> yeah. if not at least three but lightsabers. Everybody does make the joke. <laughs> so if there's a fire in your house, do you actually save your dog or your lightsaber? Hopefully my dog gets out the door because she has four legs because I'm grabbing my lightsaber. I'm going to save my dog with my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. door will be open. I'm grabbing the lightsaber. Get out before the door closes. I will slash at the fire as I save the small Ewok from its demise. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a funny lightsaber story. Um, long before they actually did this on the Big Bang Theory, we had a couple. I had a couple of friends over at my old place when I lived down in Florida. And there was something talking in my living room and we were all in my bedroom and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we had and the power was out in the whole nine yards. So we couldn't figure out what was talking. And the the closest weapon I had was the lightsaber. So, of course, I grab it. I turn it on and I'm walking out into the living room and everybody's making fun of me at this point. And what it was was my Yoda Furby doll. I guess the batteries were dying because that thing was just talking. Oh, did it sound creepy? Was it talking slow? Like, uh, yes! the force like, is with you. It didn't even <laughs> sound like Yoda, and it was really creepy. And I'm going, there's a demon in my house. Oh, That's no. Awesome. <laughs> and then, like, two weeks later, we're sitting down watching The Big Bang Theory, and it's the episode where Sheldon and Leonard come out with their lightsabers because they hear a noise in the living room. And I'm just like, oh, right. Lord. And, of course, you know, all my friends just turn and look at me, and I'm like, 
don't go there. Don't you even go there. I did it first. That's that's not even funny. <laughs> well, I like to stay prepared. Um, are you prepared for the zombie apocalypse? Of course. I have my plan for both zombies and if they're viral. Oh, nice, 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 nice. I keep uh, I keep my katana. I have a well. I have two. I have a one that was just. It's not like a replica. It's just a really nice katana blade my friend got me from Japan. And then I have a, a Highlander katana uh, replica, and I keep that on my mantle upstairs, ready to go, just in case, you know. So I have my crossbow that I've had since I was 14. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have um, three of my guns, and unfortunately, none of my swords are katanas. They're all replicas, but hey, man, I've got He-Man's sword. I have the... <laughs> nice. I have um, a replica sword from Kill Bill now, Volume when you, 1. When you say He-Man's sword, like a replica, like someone made a steel one, or you have the Yes, plastic... it is steel, and, and not plastic. And this is the sword of power. Yes, I have the sword of power. You gotta send me a picture of that. I gotta see okay. that. That's, that's... I, I, I could definitely do that for you. Yeah. Can, that uh, is, that is. <laughs> I'll remind you later on because, uh, man, I, I was a He-Man freak as a kid. That was my jam. He-Man was my jam. And you used to be able to get the power sword and you could get the gray one that was, uh, He-Man's and the purple one that was Skeletor's and then mm-hmm. the toys, they joined together and they clipped together into one sword. Yep. And, I always wanted to carry it on my back, like He-Man, of course, but they didn't make anything like that back then. So I would take newspaper or, like, cardboard, and I would fold it around the swords, and I would make a scabbard, and then I would make the X harness and attach that to it so I could run around and actually be able to pull the sword out of the scabbard in the back and do the whole Eye of the Power thing. Yeah. I'm sure I would just run around the yard, and probably that's all I was yelling was, I have the power! (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, but my kid gets the coolest stuff now because he gets all the Ninja Turtle weapons, and now you can like buy like a shell that's actually got spots for you to like put all the weapons into. Oh yeah, I've uh, seen that. I, I hate to say it, I know it's really weird, but I really do want one of those. <laughs> my kid got one. It's super rad. It's super rad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it comes to my replicas, I have um, the Sword of Power. I have the Sword of Omens. I have um, bla- the Blazing Sword from Voltron, and then I have the Kill Bill Volume 1 Sword. Nice. That is an excellent, excellent collection. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> impressed with that. No, that's fantastic. Um, Voltron. Voltron, man. I was big into the Voltron, too. And I am shocked it has not been redone or made into something yet. You think it well, was they di- did. Like, they was did that small one because um, there was Voltron. Um there's no car Voltron. That's been erased from my existence. I'm sorry. There's only the five lions. So I don't I even know we... what you're talking about, so I'm glad <laughs> that <you>. I don't. <laughs> so let's go with Go Lion and then Voltron. And then they did the Voltron Third Dimension for a while, which um, had Tim Curry as the voice of Prince Lotor. And then a few years ago, they did Voltron Force. where the... I saw that. I saw that. And, that. and that was as close to getting a remake as we've gotten so far. And they never finished the series, which really upset me because I was really digging it. I really enjoyed how they were merging the original with all the new. And when they came up with the idea that Voltron – because we always knew it kids they always told you that the lions had their own like personality there's something within the lions themselves which is why they would choose who could drive them and who couldn't and things like that yeah they were almost like tardises yeah <laughs> and then they started doing the new thing where like where who was it lance was like and i'll form the head 
form blazing guns all right yeah. and i was like yeah like my jaw hit the floor like greatest remake ever <laughs> i would just i think it would make a seriously cool movie man if it was given like the budget it would deserve imagine lions flying through space and forming this giant awesomeness like oh man that's one that deserves it and hasn't got it you know I truly and totally agree. There are things that deserve remakes, and then there are some movies that I am so irritated with that Gem in the Hall. Really? Well, that really? could have been fun if they okay. didn't. But they didn't do it. They did a completely different thing. Like that's no. just like they. Do you know what this Gem in the Holograms is? It's... It is Josie and the Pussycat sequel. Yes, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yes, it's uh, they Fantastic Forwarded on that one for sure. I was like, seriously? I mean, she's not even using holograms to become Jim. And where I haven't even seen anything of the Misfits yet. And if you really want to get my attention, can we finally end Jim and the holograms to see what goes on? Because I still ended with a cliffhanger because Jerrica never told Rio that she's really Jim. <laughs> I'll just take an, I would just take closure in from my 1980s cartoon. I would take closure from that. That would be great. Uh, just someone animate me closure. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> you know the 80s the, those cartoons didn't hit much i mean transformers yeah big movie you know franchise but gi joe those weren't very good and uh you know the ones that kind of stuck to it that were actually fun like the smurfs i actually enjoyed the smurfs i thought that was really well done yeah i thought I loved the smurfs and the snorks as much as i loved my gi joe transformers he no but the movie the movie the, smurfs. the movies Oh, uh, my God. Oh I actually – I didn't see the second one, but I enjoyed the one with Neil Patrick Harris. It was actually pretty cool. Like The first one I really did enjoy. Yeah. The second one, of course, was not as great at the first, but yeah. I do love the fact that they do go back to telling you that Smurfette's not a real Smurf and how he created the female Smurfs and how that all came to be and that all Smurfs are actually born males and when they're born. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't realize Smurfette was never in the original Smurfs. Matter of fact, when you first meet the Smurfs, it was uh, Smurfs in the Magic Flute where you met John and, um, oh, what is Pee-wee. that? Little Pee-wee. Yeah. And the only one that had, was any different was Papa Smurf. The rest of them all had like these high-pitched little mouth. Ma- Yes, yeah, yeah. And that, that was how you were introduced to the Smurfs. It wasn't until they really started doing the cartoon, and even in the first season, you still didn't have Smurfette because she was created by Gargamel. And once Papa Smurf enlightened her and her heart started to melt and the evil went away, you watched all the black go disappear, and she ended up with blonde hair and her yeah. little white dress. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, I thought it was treated well, man. I, I, I totally enjoyed it, you know, so... They need to they need to get on it and do stuff right because I need a Voltron movie. But as you say, some like one of my all time dreams, if I had ever become a filmmaker, would have been to remake the Highlander. Oh yeah. And just do it like epic styles, just sweeping across continents and time, and just mad crazy sword fights. Like I don't know, a lot of people might like the original and say leave it alone, but I think it could be done if treated seriously. That could be an epic movie for nowadays, you know. The, o- the only problem I have with it is who would play Sean Connery because I would, it's Sean Connery. See, I would I would ditch that joke because it's kind of a joke the fact that, you know, Ramirez is Egyptian and he sounds Scottish. Like none of that makes sense, right? 
I don't care though. It's Sean Connery. Oh yeah, no, totally. But I thought just get like 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 uh like Antonio Banderas or something to actually be like let Ramirez be an ancient like Spaniard and be yeah, his teacher. Yeah, I, I at least that's closer to Egyptian. I I always did find that hilarious. I'm like, um. Yeah, well, I'm okay. Egyptian, you see. But technically, <laughs> seriously, do really don't know, you believe me? I'm. Do we even know what classic Egyptians really sound like? Because I mean, their their ancient ways were like completely like thrown in a pyramid and then disappeared. So. Oh yeah, we don't even know what their language would have sounded like. I don't. No, guess. we really don't. That's like, like Roman. How do, you, how do you say? What does a pictures? Roman really sound like? How do you, um, well, that was Latin. That would have been Latin, no? That would have. Yeah, but what does Latin language. really sound like? Seriously, I mean, like, how, what does oh, yeah, how actually, actually really sound like? Oh, we yeah. don't know. Um, right, yeah. they're kind of uh dust. Yeah, the pronunciation <laughs> of the actual stuff i totally hear what you say and trust me i took latin and that's like oh my gosh like the only thing i ever took from latin class was city of gluteus maximus and sella nunc ah. which was what my teacher yelled at me all the time which is sit your big fat butt down in your seat now ah, i know uh quaderat and veniendum yeah and translate <laughs> which was to be found <laughs> ah. <laughs> you got one that always stuck in my head. <laughs> there's there's very few languages I speak. I know a little bit of Ewokies, a little bit of Klingon, a little bit of Huttese, and nice, I speak nice. white American. So <laughs> <laughs> I speak Italian. I, yeah. I speak most I of those with a little bit of Gaelic thrown in. So <laughs> it's a nice mix. It's a nice mix to have. That was one thing about the Smurfs that was weird is where'd the Scottish Smurf come from? You know? <laughs> like let's throw it's one thing. That's one of those. Like he was a funny character, but like I hate how the Scots have kind of become like a like a cartoon. You know, like they're used often. You know, as I think. I think my biggest thing. I got over the clowns. little Scottish Smurf, even though I know he wasn't original. It was when they came up with Chef Smurf and Baker Smurf. Really, you had to split that Smurf into two. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That's that's totally silly. You don't need that because it was Baker originally. It was just Baker. Yeah, Smurf, it was just right? Baker. Yeah. yeah. They were never that. cooking anything with but pies. Like uh, Smurfberry pie was pretty much their like staple meal. <laughs> Which I guess I could say that I do speak Smurf, you know, because this is a Smurfy podcast that I'm doing with you, and we're having a Smurfy time. And I okay. hope that everybody Smurfs to listen to this later because <laughs> their Smurfing ability would be absolutely Smurfing. See, I do can't you remember Smurf. where that episode where Pee Wee tried to talk Smurf, but then he kept, oh my god, and they kept bringing him stuff because he said, "Bring me a Smurf," and they were like, "Huh?" They kept, just kept. Bringing him like tennis rackets and random stuff. Yeah, it was. I love it. I need a Smurf. Yeah, uh, finally, he's like, what? no, you need to Smurf me or whatever. You know? Yeah, Come on. you have to go. Can you go get me? A, can you go Smurf me a Smurfing ratchet? Can you go Smurf <laughs> me this? I need a Smurfing. No, <laughs> it's not yeah. a noun. It's more like an adjective or a verb. It's not. A, it's never really a noun, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, are are the movies and the video games Star Wars wise? Is that your main facet? Um, see, I'm weird because I like a little bit of everything. So if it's cool and nerdy and I like it, I'm into it. So no, but it as far to- as just Star Wars itself, sorry, like is what oh. is, are the movies your favorite thing about Star Wars or the video games your favorite thing about Star Wars? If it has Star Wars on it, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're that deep. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I can't have one. I'm like, ooh, action figure. Ooh, Darth Vader's on it. Ooh, because I have I have the candy dishes and the gumball machines. I have the figures, the watches, the collectibles, the video games. I love the movies. I, Do you love I was- all the movies? No. See, I love all the movies. 
Now, <laughs> episodes one, two, and three are good movies in their own right. But in all honesty, they don't feel Star Wars for me. There's elements of it. Like Qui-Gon Jinn was an awesome character. Darth Maul was an awesome character. The the, the love story was just, no. And oh, yeah, that, that whole, was the worst thing about it was the silly I, love story. I just, I really, it just lost it. And the, over, the overdone CGI, like Yoda looked like crap. He didn't look great all the time, no. But no. for me, for me, it was. I really liked Phantom Menace. It, it felt, it felt right to me, and uh, I liked the differences and stuff. But I'm also a kid who came out of the comic books more than the movies. I wasn't a huge fan of the original trilogy. That wasn't what got me into Star Wars. It was when I started reading about the Old Republic, with the books and the novels that came back, came out back in the day. That's when I actually got into Star Wars, and I was like, these stories are amazing. So all I had ever heard about was the Clone Wars. So for me, I had to wait 20 years, not for just new movies, but for me, I had read about the Clone Wars. I knew about the Clone Wars. I knew about Palpatine. I knew what was coming. So for me, it was a buildup of, ooh, I finally get to see the Clone Wars, right? And yeah, right. a lot of stuff was disappointing, but for me, I got to see an army of Jedi. I got to see the Jedi Temple. I got to see Padawans in action. You know, I was so satisfied by all of that that I'm a big prequel apologist. Like, I know they were horrible. The dialogue was horrible. The story was horrible. You know, but uh, what it's I got like, to... I'll even, I'll, I'll even say Jar Jar Binks did not irritate me as much as he irritated everybody else. It was like those slight things of, really, you have to have him step in poo-poo? Really? Seriously? For me, it was the dialogue was the worst thing about the prequels the dialogue was horrendous like i oh, lucas God. should not have wrote it he should have let someone else write it the dialogue was the worst it was like that's the thing he paid the least attention to while making all those movies was the dialogue and that's what ruined it it well, could have been you know he's a, a horrible lot of director people don't realize that there was always a scene where George Lucas said that everybody liked Star Wars because of the special effects and everything. That's not really the reason why people really liked Star Wars. It was for me. It was the storylines. I, I, I liked the special effects. And as a kid, let's face it, Return of the Jedi was my favorite as a kid. And I grew up on the me original too. trilogies. Right. You right, know, I right. I grew up. My dad took me at one years old to the drive-in to see Empire Strikes Back. I call that legit, and so I got to see it on opening day. May yeah. not remember it, but I don't care. I saw it. There I are saw, pictures of me. <laughs> I saw Return of the Jedi when it came out. I was six years old. And then I got to see Return of the Jedi um, yeah. on opening night. Yeah. But my family had family night where – when I say family night, I'm not talking mom, dad, and kids. I'm talking mom, dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents – we would all watch the Star Wars trilogy four, five, and six back to back to back. Awesome. At least once a year, and so it was very canon, which is really weird because my dad's such a Trekkie that that was the canon trilogy that we would watch. And so I grew up really loving the classic Star Wars. True, as a kid, I never got the whole "I am your father, go to the Dagobah system." Look, it's really your face in there to prove that Darth Vader is really going to be your father, which you're going to find out later. I didn't get all that. I was just like, "Cool, this is awesome!" Oh, look at the little teddy bears! Oh, yeah, Chihuahua! Woo! Again, lightsaber. Yeah, my whole thing was, "He's got a green lightsaber." His lightsaber's great. I remember losing my mind when I first saw that. I think my first, I think the first thing that I ever remember quoting was, 
um, no disintegration. So I'm like, that's cool. I like that line. <laughs> oh, my favorite line at all Star Wars is just Day Wanawanga. <laughs> day Wanawanga, Day Wanawanga. Yeah, that's all I need. Oh, <laughs> it was it was no disintegrations and R2D2 going Wah! when he gets yeah. shot in Episode Four. And that like, was excellent. That was a nice re- recreation. That was well done. I think one of my favorite lines also is. Uh, Take your weapon and strike me down with all of your hate. Fuck off. Oh, yeah. I love that line, too. Well, so evil in Jedi. Like, just so evil. And then, that's oh, yeah. one thing that bothered me about the prequels, is they didn't treat the Emperor, you know, evil enough. <laughs> no, but you still had goosebumps when he's sitting there at the end of episode one, and he's like, we're going to keep our eye on you. No, don't, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But, I mean, we had, uh, I, I get it, and I'm not saying that the movies are horrible, and at least with the prequels, you do get to see Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one, and he does bring balance to the Force, and I know a lot of people are looking at me really weird when I say this, but think about it. There's only two Sith Lords, and there are hundreds of hundreds of Jedi Knights out there. Technically, Anakin Skywalker did fulfill the prophecy. He did bring balance to the Force by evening the playing field. Okay, this is, okay, here we go, kids. I'm about to get deep on you. I'm going to smack down some knowledge on you here. Even though this isn't a canon and it's kind of confusing because everything was so recently done. There was a novel written called Darth Plagueis. Yes. And oh my goodness. My favorite Star Wars novel. It was brilliantly constructed. So this book is about the life of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you read it? Yes. Okay. I thought this book was unbelievably brilliant. Yes. Now so Plagueis and Palpatine, basically, uh, with Plagueis doing all this stuff, this is a bit spoilery, kids, but you should definitely read the read the book. It's brilliant. But uh, he basically blankets the dark. He blankets the Force with the dark side. They pull some sort of dark cloud, and for many many years, this is why the Jedi's ability to hear the Force keeps diminishing. As he gets stronger, this blanket that they created you know, got stronger, and then he killed Plagueis, and it got stronger, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, when Vader killed Palpatine, simply as that in this, it lifted that cloud of darkness from the Force, which right. brought the Force back into balance, the light and the dark. So, very, very interested am I to see how this Force is going to awaken. Why did it go to sleep? What the hell's happening? That, I'm very excited to see. I really, really want to know what's going on there. Yeah, because it is gonna see. It is interesting to see with Disney when they first was like, nothing is canon anymore, and yeah. then slowly they're making some of the stuff canon again, and you're just like, so what are they gonna make canon, and what aren't they going to make canon? Well, one thing's there's a few things I, I really bothers me that aren't like uh, Darth Plagueis isn't officially a canon book yet. It 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 fits perfectly. The last half of the book takes place literally at the same time as Phantom Menace, and it explains so much. You actually have more respect for the Phantom Menace after reading that book because you, you kind of, it fills in gaps that are missing that you can pretend are happening in your head. And it's amazing. It, it, plus, you hear the entire life story of Darth Maul in Savage Press. Like, that's brilliant. So, you know, I, I don't know. That's what I'm looking forward to, totally, is, because uh, everybody's excited about Han and Chewie are back flying around in their spaceship. But I want to know what's going on. Luke, where you been? What you've been meditating about, you know? Oh no, he's looking a little Obi Wan-ish there. <laughs> oh, did, did you see the pic? You saw the picture of. Yeah. Oh, he looks so good. And oh, that, I, know. I was really happy about that. 
Oh, sorry, I got off what I was going to say. Um, the Clone Wars animated cartoon. Not the not the new series, you know, the Tartoski one. Mm-hmm. No reason that shouldn't be canon. Because oh, the, it needs to be. It bleeds and is meant to bleed from Lucas directly into Revenge of the Sith. That's the reason that at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, when Grievous is clutching his chest and in pain and coughing, uh-huh. is the very last scene in the Clone Wars is Mace Windu crushing his chest with the Force. Right. And it literally is, it, it, it's seamless how it goes one into the other. So I don't understand how they can't be canon. I believe that it is canon. Have you seen Rebels yet? I, I have, yeah. New episode okay, so tonight, actually. Okay, Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anybody who's not up to date with Rebels, guess what? Spoilers are coming. So we've all seen Rebels. Anybody who's seen it at this point, we've already seen that one of the characters from the Clone Wars has come back, Ahsoka Tana, right. which to me makes it feel like the Clone Wars will be um, canon because you can't really bring her back because well, her wait. whole story's throughout it. Her Clone Wars are canon. I'm talking about the old cartoon that was made in between episodes oh, two and yes, three. Yes, that one. That were three minute like bits. I do believe that it they was, are. They're going to consider those canon as well. They should because it's only the two D animation, but it, it, the, the very last one of those is literally leads into Revenge of the Sith. So I don't understand because there's so much brilliant stuff in there to work with that doesn't contradict anything else that they're doing now. So because wasn't because. Clone Wars was still going on, and that was still somewhat relevant when Disney was doing this. And I do believe that Disney is going to let that stay canon just because of the time frame of going on between the um, takeover and when that was released. Yeah, it should it should all fit. I mean, you know, all three Clone Wars series should fit. The Darth Plagueis book should fit. I can understand most stuff, other stuff, because I think whatever fits should be canon, right? If they don't change something, let it be canon, but whatever. I'm just... I'm also addicted to 20 years of Dark Horse Star Wars stories, right? So Yeah, but at the same point in time, you know, here's Disney. They went ahead and said, oh, well, we're going to bring Star Wars back to Marvel. And they've re-released a lot of the Dark Horse comics that were going on then, too. So does that mean that those became canon still? No, they just can't. They've already been demolished as far as uh, canon. Like, <laughs> they've basically just – well – uh, spoilers. This is a big spoiler for anybody who plans to read the old 20 year old Star Wars comics. And actually, <laughs> sorry, this was in the Young Jedi Knights, uh, the Jedi Academy Jedi novel Knight, series. Yes. Was Chewie's dead. Oh, yeah. Chewie died saving young Anakin Solo and a moon fell on him. And yep. he was crushed by a planet, screaming as it, at it as he went. And so the minute they brought Chewie back, bam, none of that, none of that series exists anymore. Yeah. You know? So, but who's to say that this doesn't take place before? I don't know. They're going we'll to pick and choose, which I'm cool with. I'm cool with the fact that they're going to lay respect down and still like use names and certain words and planets, which they've already done. And I think Luke's look alone as uh, his new Jedi Master look looks very Clone Wars. It looks very, very prequel-ish, right? Like, it, it, I, didn't, I expected him to be in rags, to be honest, or at least just still his black robe or whatever. The fact that he's full on Jedi'd out, I did not expect that at all. Like that really caught me off guard, you know? Yeah, seriously. But I'm I'm wondering, so if Disney says all of that stuff's not canon, does my Encyclopedia Britannica of Star Wars does that go up in price now? Because um it's like <laughs> <laughs> That's what <laughs> I wondered I about my all my Dark Horse Star Wars comic books because uh, you know. 
Although now I, you, they offered a deal, though. You can pretty much go online for like 10 bucks and get like digitally every Star Wars comic ever made. But I already pretty much have them all. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? So I you have know. most of the Dark Horse. I didn't ever I have, collect the Marvel so ones. I have a lot of the original Marvel ones, and I even have um, some. It was Star Wars Weekly, which was the kind of like a remake of the Marvel ones done um, from Britain because they actually have the pound symbol on them. So I know they're from Britain, oh, and cool. I have a bunch of those too, but they're done more in the magazine type, just like they did with um, G.I. Joe. It was called Action Adventures. Yeah, Action Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Gotta love because things. it's actually my love of cartoons and everything that brought me into comics because my I hated reading. Putting me oh, here, really? putting a book in front of me was just like torture. It's like, um, no, I don't want to do this. I wow. really read this. I hate reading. I hate reading. And it's still really hard to get me to read a book. I mean, literally the book has to catch me within like the first couple of paragraphs or I won't read it. I will not. I will refuse. I'm like, yep, I'm bored. <laughs> my AD, my ADHD hit kicked in, and nope, I'm bored. <laughs> uh, but yeah. here was my very first comic. Um, Marvel's GI Joe 63 has Scarlet and Snake Eyes on the front, walking through a minefield, and I went, "Oh, look, more GI Joe adventures." Okay. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Whatever got in your reading, you know. Like and she- that took me yeah. into um, Marvel Comics presents. Ghost Rider and Moon Knight. Cool, cool. There's a lot of Moon Knight talk going on lately. With Love Moon Knight. That was such stuff. a cool and There's now rumors of a Moon Knight Netflix series. That's yes, cool. I heard. You know, that would be. That and would be I, you know what? I I say go for it because after watching Daredevil on Netflix, I, I'm I'm so cool with that. That's the finest thing Marvel's ever done. I think the finest two things that Marvel ever did were Daredevil and Guardians of the Galaxy masterpieces both of them are absolute masterpieces and i'm not a marvel fan which is funny because marvel is my start on comics but i'm more of a dc person oh i'm a dc kid through and through from birth (laughs) to now it's uh i don't give a damn about any of the arguments any of the debate i just don't care marvel's got a great formula going they're sticking with that formula and it works and it makes the money and it's fun and it's light and you know they're they're but to me, that means everybody's stuck having to stick to what everything everybody does. Like, there's no there's no fun. Like, what I love about comics is that there's a million different versions of Batman drawn by ten different people. And I love that. And so if a lot of people are complaining that there's going to be a different Flash in the movies than on the show, whatever. Two Flashes, shut up. You get two Flashes. That's what you're happy about on the show right now because there's like four Flashes. So... You know what I mean? Like, I, Did you not read the comics? There's infinite Earth. Yeah, Hello, yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. This could be one giant multiverse if you like. But, I mean, I love DC movies and DC characters because I don't like to identify with my superheroes. I don't like to identify with the anti-hero, the gritty guy, you know, yet who still does right. As much as I love Wolverine, but that's that's a whole different matter. But, you know what I mean? Marvel's full of these anti-heroes, these badasses. And they, they have... You know, human problems and emotions. No, I like my superheroes like gods. I want them to punch planets. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want out of my superheroes. So, like, to get Batman, I, I said this a bit ago, and I got some shit for it. Excuse my language on that one. I let one slip out. I was doing pretty good there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I am far more excited for Batman versus Superman than I am for The Force Awakens. 
And I know that's a crazy thing to say, but I am I have been on Zack Snyder since the day he made that truck commercial. Like he's amazing. He's just my perfect filmmaker for me. And I- I will yep. admit, I'm actually excited for it. I really am. I do want to see it. I won't say that I'm more excited for it than Star Wars. I definitely won't say that because I'm I'm so feeling the force with Star Wars and seeing all the puppetry and the fact that he made those people go to an actual desert again yeah, instead yeah. of everything on a blue screen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, me but... saying that me saying that takes away from how excited I am about Star Wars because <laughs> don't think I'm not like you know ready to. Now with a name like Elegant Weapon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, I'm the Jedi Ross for a reason. It's because I cannot wait. For this stuff, and uh, the thing I'm most excited about are, you know, seeing this new Kylo Ren and seeing Luke again. That's what I want to see, and I want to hear what the story is going to be about. But I, you know, again, because I wasn't ever ooh Millennium Falcon kid, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, as cool as the ship is and everything. But this is Batman. This goes back to being two years old. This goes back to the core of everything i believe in and love in life and it's batman like batman was the first of anything for me i so, love batman yeah I, I people still look at me funny because i'm like dude let's watch the 1966 batman movie what? any Batman, dude that was the yeah. ultimate batman he even has shark bat, bat shark repellent oh yeah movie. that was that's great eh? <laughs> just bat anything but but this one this is oh man Zack snyder got his got his hands on Batman's cape. Do you know what he's going to do with that cape? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's going to make love to that cape through filmmaking. And I cannot wait. Like, they filmed Suicide Squad here in Toronto. Nice. And uh, it was cool because they were driving the Joker car around. And Batman, you know, the stunt double was on top. But he didn't have a cape. He had, like, dots on his back. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're going to, like... We're gonna finally gonna see one of the things that we've seen a million times in a Batman comic book we've never seen on film, and that's Batman riding on the back of a car with his cape flying. Yeah. Very simple image, huge in the comics. We've seen him on top of a car and smash through it in the movies, but never while it's driving. Which is like you know, you see that in every movie. So we're finally gonna to get to see that with a big digital cape flying all over. Oh my god. Now, there are a lot of things that I'm very excited about. Um, Batman versus Superman, I really do want to see this. I love the fact that they're holding Superman accountable for all the destruction, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> shut those Squad. Marvel fanboys up quick, I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm a little nervous about Suicide Squad only because – and it's, it's not them. It's just – there was just something about that Harley Quinn that just made me go, eh? I don't I th- get it. It's – uh. She- I guess because I'm such a huge fan of the 90s version from Batman, the animated series, where Harley Quinn did not have to be this little sex bot. She was still sexy and dangerous, and she was highly intelligent. And this one, they have her chewing gum the entire time, which really kind of dumbed her down a little bit when I saw it. And it looked like she bought her clothes out of Hot Topic. I don't think people quite realize how nuts she's going to be. And like I said, I'm not saying anything until yeah. I actually get to see it. And besides, I'm still excited. I get Amanda Waller, who is still by far one of my oh, favorite female characters Viola from comics Davis ever. Too. <laughs> even yeah. though I, even though, why she got to be skinny, man? <laughs> oh, she's not really skinny in this one. Viola Davis, I wouldn't call her a skinny woman, you know? Yeah, but, I, but I'll be I, honest. You notice her hair, though? Like, her hair is very oh, yeah. plain and simple, and it's still curled, and... 
You know, I don't think she's got any perm in there. It's not as bad as the the Amanda Waller on Arrow, right? I mean, come on, that's true. Good. Even though, let's face it, first time I was like, ooh, Amanda Waller. Ooh, can I get Queen Latifah to play that part? Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> but I think, I think Viola Davis is going to do great. Oh, but, just, just seeing yeah. that scene. Uh, for me, the most exciting scene was watching Amanda Waller talk at that dinner table. Now, when I say Amanda Waller is one of my steak. favorite characters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is one of my favorite characters, hand down, by far. I know she's not a superhero. I know this. But who else do you know who was just a regular run-of-the-mill person who would walk up to Batman and go, am what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when yeah. I was like, her, I want to be her. Yeah, regardless yeah. of the fact that her name is Amanda, <laughs> regardless yeah, yeah. of that one, <laughs> no, I want awesome. her because she's just like, and, <clears throat> excuse what? <laughs> I, was, yes. uh, I was very lucky to talk to John Ostrander in uh, Motor City Con, and uh, John Ostrander is... He didn't uh, create the Suicide Squad, but he created this version of it. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I got to chat with him about the whole thing, and he was saying he's he knows what's going on there, and he says the heart is there. He says things look weird because they're updating and trying things, but he says, you know, what you've known the Suicide Squad for is definitely in there, and that kind of reassured me hearing it right from his mouth, you know. But I think everyone's gonna die. Like, I don't think people, okay with that. I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy romp. And yeah, Harley looks kind of funny, but, uh, you know, that's a tough character to translate to screen too. You could, at the same time, you couldn't have her in a diamond red and black jumpsuit, you know, like it's not, Even a though, you know, it's not a Marvel movie. I will always movie, say right? that's still my favorite outfit of hers. It seems like every time they're revamping her, she's losing more clothes. What? Why does the person have to lose more clothes to make her awesome? She doesn't. She really doesn't, people. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. You're absolutely right, and I completely agree with you. I just, I, I don't know what else they could have done. Do her personality I mean? enough is to be. In all honesty, it was her personality, and the one episode and i will never forget it from batman the animated series is the time that she kidnaps bruce wayne and makes it makes him go on the shopping spree yeah and then yeah. batman gives her the gift anyway and yeah. she just and it just shows you how many levels that character really has and it's like that's the reason to love harley quinn right there that is just epically awesome well she gets the voice right in that one part when she's like i hope you have insurance like, yeah oh <laughs> listen to her talk and I love but, the part when the guy's like, uh, all, you know, all them girls are crazy or something. And she just goes, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I love but that. for me, yeah. the biggest hands down announcement that I'm really stoked to see about, because let's face it, when it comes to animated movies, DC is the ultimate at this point. The animated version of The Killing Joke. Yeah. And they and DC said they're OK if, it, if they get our rating on it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Think about it. They have been pushing the line from the opening of Batman Under the Red Hood. That was like really there. That whole opening sequence was just like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. into this. I'm loving it. Well, that and kind even... of started this Batman trip where they've been doing all these Damien stories now. Like I had to turn it off. I've never had to turn off a DC movie for my kid until uh, Son of Batman. Oh wow, yeah, and, that was but oh. that was good. Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, oh. but I didn't realize what to expect. They're like, "Oh, violence." You're like, "Yeah, usual violence." And then like 1 minute in, people are getting arrows through throats and stuff. I was just like, "Oh, oh gosh. Uh, yeah, no." 
<laughs> Bud, you can't be watching this Batman in particular. Well, you're you're such a better father because at five, my dad would have allowed it. <laughs> I don't know. This was a yeah, probably would have back then too. But man, I don't know. This one was just I was like, ah, there's so much blood. I think it was the blood that got me more than anything. Like there was a lot of blood at the beginning of that. Yeah, movie. but still, again, my dad would have allowed it because at five years old, my dad introduced me to Freddy Cougar. All right, this is great. Oh, wait, there's boobies. You can't watch oh, that part. Freddy's oh. my hero. I was all. I wasn't allowed Freddy's. to watch boobies, but I was allowed to watch Freddy Cougar slit somebody's nice. wrist open and <laughs> rock them off the edge like a puppy. Yeah. yeah, that was okay. I literally had all four. I had Freddy one through four, a poster for each movie, all in a line on my wall. And uh, my bedroom was in the basement. It was one of those classic 80s, like, uh, plywood, plywood, you know, like, mm-hmm. you call it, like, paneling on the wall. <laughs> it's just heavy metal posters, comic book posters, and Freddy posters all over the place. I had the, I had the semi-typical girl room, except for where everybody else had, like, Marpaul Gosler and Mario Lopez. I had Darth Vader, David Bowie from <laughs> Labyrinth, and I had a Dol- I had the Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren there. <laughs> did you, uh, did you ever watch Flight of the Concords? Yes! Uh, did you see the one where <laughs> David Bowie kept coming and appearing as, like, the spirit guide for Brit? Yes. And it was, uh, Jermaine Jermaine dressed up as him. I whenever I hear David Bowie Labyrinth now, I can't help but picture him like floating in the air going, Hi ah, yes, Brett, it's me. It's Labyrinth nineteen eighties David Bowie. And he'd always like explain which David Bowie he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant oh, yeah. stuff, so Oh, yeah. yeah, most definitely. But yeah, um, I'll have to give Marvel hands down. They are killing it in the box office with the big to-do movies. But DC's holding their own with their animated. The only fear that I have so far with what they're doing with bringing in the whole DC universe and the Justice League and everything is I know originally they rumored that they wanted to do Dark Side first. And I went, no, please don't. Yeah, I don't think they are. I think they're going to do Apocalypse. I think that's pretty much out of the bag. I think uh, they're going to use Zod's body and DNA in some way to uh, to create Apocalypse. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I, I really do not want to see Darkseid come out of the bag first because that would be, you know. He'll where be Mar- Justice League. He'll be the Justice League movie villain. Definitely. Right. And that's or okay. Brainiac. Maybe Brainiac. See, DC kills in the villains too, right? They have so many options. That's the thing. See, for me, I would love to see them start off by bringing them together. Like, um, I guess this is a little bit more like Justice League when they did the animated, but bringing them together with like Star or something. Don't bring them together with Darkseid. Because once you do Darkseid, where do you really go from there? I think Darkseid will be once they're already. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Maybe Brainiac's a better choice. But, I mean, they're being so zany with stuff. Who knows what they're going to, you know, because there's still a Joker to deal with. Like, this is the first time we're ever going to see Joker in more than one movie. Oh, yeah. And which is going to be cool. So it's not like the Joker. We're all it's almost like in our heads, just automatically, subliminally, we think, oh, the Joker will die. But maybe not. Maybe the Joker will be like a huge Justice League. Maybe him and Lex actually team up like, oh, oh, my brain's hurting thinking of this. They did that back in the 90s with, um, oh, the cartoons it? and the, uh, Lego Superman movies. and Batman. They had, yeah. uh, Joker team up with Lex Luthor against, cause, yeah. uh, the Joker went after Superman and Lex went after Batman. Oh, it's happened many times over the years. I know. So, you know, it'd be, 
Who knows? But again, they have so many villains to work with. Brainiac, so Darkseid, you know. And yeah. Avengers had no choice. Where do you go? You go with Thanos. Like, what are you going to do? You know? And then once it's over, like, here's the thing about what's going to happen when they're going to move into phase four soon. And don't get me wrong, I love Marvel movies, but when you get yourself painted into a corner, what do you do? You're going to start phase four and not all these actors are going to want to, like, Robert Downey Jr. will be done soon enough. And Even though what, that's a shame, because let's face it, he does look like Tony Stark. Oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant in that role. But what are you going to do? You have to recast. So what do you do? Do you keep the same timeline going and just get a different actor and pretend nothing happened? Or do they reboot? Do they start doing Mar- like Ultimates or some kind of thing? Like, Well, what, technically, we're already in the Ultimate Avengers because yeah. Nick Fury's black. I also cannot st- – yeah, a lot of it was influenced, especially the Thor and stuff too. But I cannot stand a Marvel Universe without mutants. Like I cannot accept – I can't do it. Like I've given it a decade of my life and I, I cannot deal with it. I hate them all for it. I cannot stand all those greedy, greedy, money-grubbing Hollywood execs or whoever the hell because you're just ruining it. Ruining yeah. it all. Like to not – oh, to not have them together – I understand stuff went down, but I mean, if they could figure out this Sony deal with Spider-Man, I do not see why Fox could not work something out. Like, and who knows? I I want Apocalypse to fail. I want X-Men Apocalypse to fail. I want it to be horrible. So they have to maybe start dealing with Marvel in some way. Yeah, because I mean, seriously, if you're going to go into anything of Secret Wars or anything like, we need a Wolverine somewhere in there. Exactly. We have to have it. Civil War is already enough going to be seriously lacking, you know, the star power it had in the book versions, you know. But God bless DC and Warner Brothers because they got it all. They got nothing in the way. Now that Zack Snyder's been like, I'm opening this floodgate. It's never going to close. It's never going to close. That's where DC can trump Marvel real quickly. I mean, you want to hear something nuts? Sorry, you want to hear something nuts? There is no reason that we may not get a Josh Whedon-directed DC movie. I could see it. No reason. He loves DC. He was supposed to do Wonder Woman, the TV show, or at some point. And it, it, there's no reason that he wouldn't do it. He's already said he's done it. And he's kind of left Marvel on bad terms. Like, they kind of put a sour taste in his mouth with the way they made him do Age of Ultron. So, yeah. And if, if Warner Brothers is smart, they're like, here's some money. Make us a movie. You yeah. Know? And let's face it, he's really great at doing movies, so we would really love to see him do a DC movie. Because, let's face it, some of the DC movies, they've had some really bad decisions. Really bad decisions. Only, like, only okay. one, really. Like, it, it, it kind of hurts, because Green Lantern puts such a bad stain on DC. But, you know, we have, of course, the mega billion dollar industry that was the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Superman, well, the, the, the movie, well, the greatest superhero movie ever made, maybe. Can you really call it a Dark Knight trilogy? Uh, it's a Dark Knight double feature with um, the third one is the Bane movie with guest appearance of Batman. <laughs> totally. I, I, <laughs> I'm a fan of the first one pretty much only. I know everybody loves Heath Ledger, and he was cool, and he was brilliant, but that's not my Joker. This is the closest I've ever – Jared Leto looks like he's going to be the closest to what I've ever seen as a Joker. 
Best all, joke yeah. I've seen, hands down, and no offense to Mark Hamill, because he was brilliant in Batman, the animated series. And, of course, you know, I love my 1960s Joker, but let's face it. To me, the best Joker I've ever seen that really mixes a little bit of that psychoticness into it would have to be the Joker from Batman um, Under the Red Hood. That was, like, really creepy, especially that scene where he's sitting there with the black mask, and he's sitting and eating the chips, and then he goes, ah. Can I have some water? And then he just kills everybody, and he goes, well, yeah. I need some men, but not yeah. these men, because they're all dead. And I'm like, yeah. that's my Joker. <laughs> I think that was John DiMaggio. I think it was. And that was his uh, one time voicing the Joker, and he totally just went freaking weird with it. But I'm a big Jack fan, too. Yeah, I love Jack's Joker. It's too bad he wasn't younger and skinnier Jack, but he had it right on, man. Like There was parts in that movie where he just got creepy 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 joker you know and let's face it you know i know everybody says oh my god green lantern such a horrible movie let's think about this and i hate the people who blame ryan reynolds dude he was fab in it not I'm his sorry. fault not his fault i don't think I he think was he the was right the choice i i See, don't know i think he I, was just, uh... here's my opinion on the movie I think Ron Reynolds was a great Green Lantern, and he was definitely my Hal Jordan. He reminded me of Hal Jordan, and I know it's really old school to still say Hal Jordan's my favorite, but Hal Jordan was the Green Lantern I grew up on, and I've sure, always loved Hal too. Jordan. Yeah. And I thought he was a perfect Hal Jordan. That movie bombed when they went back to Earth. That's when that movie sucks. Yeah, it does. I think he was a little too – I don't think – I think he was too scared at times. I don't know. He had too much inner conflict. Like the Hal Jordan I remember would have been like – like, the way Nathan Fillion plays him in the DC movies is brilliant. Mm -hmm. That is dead on. That's like, but okay, it's too bad he couldn't have played him in, in real Where life. DC messed up is they had this great animated Green Lantern movie. Phenomenal. Yeah. Where they show you Sinestro and how he becomes a Green Lantern and his the way how Sinestro brings him under his wing. And then Sinestro, Sinestro's this entire time is secretly finding this yellow power and the whole nine yards. And how Hal has to come into his own right and really embrace being a Green Lantern and, have, and just being the little smart mouth that he is. And that's where – and you get this great animated movie, and then they're like, hey, live action. We're going to give you all the things that are really cool while we're on Owen, and then we're going to frack it up by picking the worst villain we could and bringing you back to Earth. Congratulations. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. You guys suck. Yeah. Well, that whole <laughs> – the whole para parallax thing. Uh, uh, they'll uh, fix it, though. They're going to do Green Lantern again, and they'll fix it. And I've heard they're going to do Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. So Which why cool. the heck not? Why the heck not? You know, I w so. you know I would love to just see them do a Green Lantern Corps movie. I am so cool with that. Yeah, that would be cool too. That would be absolutely. But I think happy. they're going to be they're going to be smart and they're going to stick to the seven and they're going to bring us and some justice. League I'm and I'm glad to see that Green Lantern didn't put um, Ryle Reynolds away because he's such a huge comic book nerd like the rest of us, and he gets an opportunity to do another one. I think he's going to be fabulous as Daredevil, and I am not one of these people who jumped on the Daredevil bandwagon. Deadpool, Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool. Sorry, Deadpool. that's all right. <laughs> but um, yes, no, it's he's perfect. He was made to play that role. He really was. Yeah. And let me let me tell you, I was not the first time I got to see a Deadpool comic, I got issue 0 out of a Wizard magazine and that was my introduction to Deadpool and I went, awesome. "I like this character. I really like this character." Yeah, no, it's going to be great. The trailer's fantastic and yeah. <laughs>
Did you get you did you get to see his thing at San Diego Comic Con where he was like, Yeah, some moron released that uh thing there for YouTube and it was kinda me and <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I was like he's like, But what are they gonna do? They can't fire me now, I'm already the character. I'm oh, like, that was brilliant though. Put that little treatment out that everybody saw and lost their minds. Like And it was. Yeah, just too 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 brilliant. It's, uh, and I believe he was talking about how he made the mistake of he didn't speak up when he was doing Green Lantern going, no, guys, this can't be this way. It needs to, We need to do this, this or this, yeah. where he's like, no, I spoke my mind when it came to Daredevil. And there was something that I didn't think was canon. I spoke my mind. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool because he's like, I'm sticking up for all you comic book nerds. We're going to make sure that Deadpool is absolutely awesome for you. And so far, everything that I've seen of it is going to be absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. They've been dead on. They couldn't have done it any better. So, you know. Oh, yeah. So uh, on that note, shall we perhaps uh, begin to wrap this up? We've almost been going an hour and a half. That's that's crazy. Crazy talking. (laughs) This is what happens when I talk to people who are so goofy like me. I love it. So, Uh, (laughs) yeah, but wrapping up could be good. Um, Dinner has to be made sometime tonight, I'm sure. And two of my cats are still outside. Right, yeah, you don't want to lose the kitty witties. They're very important. Yeah, like the they're going to be lost. They know where the, the food home. is. As soon as I start cooking a hamburger, they're going to be like, oh, mom's cooking dinner. We're going to eat half of it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, do you have anything that you need to throw out there or uh, you know, put into the ether before we say goodnight to the children? Well, guys, um, like I said, um, follow AGP over on Facebook. Um, you can either follow it at Amanda Gillum Presents, which is the fan page, or you can follow myself, my personal page, which is Amanda Gillum, or you can follow me on Twitter at LadyVader79. And um, my show, um, if you ever want to listen to just me rant about stuff, is um, live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, I've got this huge to-do coming up on Halloween, and then right the weekend right after I'll be in Akron, Ohio for the Akron Comic Con, which is another show that I help out with, so I hope you all can show up there. Um, other than that, I'm pretty good. How about yourself there, Jason? Well, for all you perhaps new listeners of your fan base that may be hanging out with my fan base, uh, you can find An Elegant Weapon at www.anelegantweapon.ca uh, That, of course, is for Canada. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at an elegant weapon at uh, AEW podcast on Twitter. Um, if you see that other an elegant weapon on Facebook from Tulsa, Oklahoma, no, that's not us. That's uh, that's some band who uh, you know decided they liked the name too. I guess. <laughs> Which thank you for reminding me. I forgot. Um, I finally did launch a website, so you actually can go to AmandaGillumPresents dot com. Woo. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. You got to have you got to have your headquarters, but uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Wait. kids. Uh, Amanda is always this fun, at least from what I've heard of her other episodes. So all you weaponeers out there, make sure that you go and subscribe on the iTunes. And uh, it's AGP, which is a great name, by the way, because I heard you tell the story about how you couldn't figure out a name, so you just named it after <laughs> yourself, which you always should do. So uh, seriously, all the other days were taken. I was just like, "Fine, it's Amanda Gillum presents," and then everybody just started calling it AGP. So I'm like, "Okay, that works." <laughs> uh, Amanda, I've had a great time chatting with you. I'm so happy we did this. I am so happy that we got to sit down and talk, and I got to be on Elegant Weapon slash AGP oh. joint <laughs> podcast. This is so Cross exciting. Pod. 
Uh, we love it. Yeah, crosspod excitement. And I hope to be able in April to get down there to Ohio and check yes. out uh, um keep Ohio up with styles. me and I will get you a press pass to come down and check out the convention. I think you'll really love it. Gem City is a comic centric type convention, so not the big huge celebrities, but we do have some pretty big names in comics like Mark Wade and Sean Forney, uh Christy Blanche is gonna be there, uh Dirk Manning and so many other people. People, so I hope everybody Dirk. wants to come out to that. <laughs> Dirk Manning, I shall see you in Grand Rapids this weekend, Dirk Manning. I shall come for you, and uh, that'll be happening. So uh, that's very, very, very cool. This was very, very cool. I'm sure we're going to do it again. Uh, yeah, what are you doing fun. next week? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots of stuff lined up, but uh, eventually, of course, we will do this again. Uh, again, AGP presents kids, and uh, I will sign it off. Uh, my style is that, if you don't mind, because uh, for AGP and an elegant weapon, uh, that's all we're going to have this week, kids. Take it easy.